Welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer, coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world, or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, 60 years of work experience, and eight vehicles that we have to maintain. That's a lot of cars. So we're trying to make this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, save some money. So Dave, as usual, you've kind of tipped the listeners of what we're going to talk about, but explain what we're going to talk about today. So we are coming to you from October 2020. It's actually 10-10-2020, which is kind of a neat date. That's weird. Kind of like some kind of people who like numbers are probably going crazy over today's date. Yeah, it's probably the number of the beast or something. But anyway, um, and so because things are so different, uh, you and I are both car guys, but we're not driving as much as we are. So that puts some unusual strains on a vehicle. And you as a former professional car guy, probably have some idea on how we can do a better job of taking care of our vehicles. Oh, yeah. I, I will tell you, um, I, me especially, I've hardly been driving my cars at all. I think I, uh, like you said, I have four cars and one of them I think is getting, uh, it's on a rate to have less than 500 miles on it in a year, if you can believe that. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. I think, I think it was actually 238 when I did the math the other day. <laughs> that's that's, that's mind-blowing. So I will say just for our listeners, I'm not driving in to go to work anymore. So I don't have to go to work. I have to drive my car anywhere. The other car is uh, another car that is used for family errands, basically for our, um, my mom, uh, for my sister to drive my mom around. And they're just sitting there. And uh, it's, not, it's not good for your cars to sit there. So yesterday, I went to drive my uh, electric Nissan Leaf and the display was flashing. And I, and I remembered, oh, you know what? I think what this is, is 12-volt battery. So I broke down and bought one of those um, battery testers and tested my battery. It's like a 500 amp. For, it's, a, it's the 12-volt battery. So even in your electric car, you're going to have a 12-volt battery. So Dave Kramer, I know you have an electric car. I, there's probably a 12-volt battery in that car somewhere, it'd be my guess. That's a little counterintuitive, Dave. Half the, uh, half the gross vehicle weight of that vehicle is, the, is batteries. I know. But, um, you know, I, I looked at this before because I had a funny story about the battery in my leaf died after a couple of years and I was at work and I couldn't get the darn thing out of the spot. And we had those little parking, um, what do you call those parking blocks at the front? And so I couldn't get the car to, I wasn't quite sure what was wrong with it. I was at work and I wasn't quite sure what was wrong with it. I couldn't get into gear. And I called the tow truck company. They couldn't pick the car up because they couldn't roll the car back out to get it towed to the dealership. I went, and this was late in the day. It was getting about 7 o'clock. So I, I frustrated I couldn't get it towed. Um, I live pretty close to home. So my wife came and picked me up. And then I realized that it's probably the 12-volt battery going. And the people at Nissan weren't really super clear on this. I was really frustrated with them because they should have diagnosed this right away and said, hey, Mr. Blasco, it's probably your 12-volt battery, right? I mean, they've sold a lot of Leafs. I had some interesting things like that with my Volkswagen e-Golf, but they don't, there weren't a lot of those sold. They were relatively new, but they've sold half a million Leafs? I think something like that. I think 400, 
I don't remember exactly. I thought it was 400,000, but I was really disappointed with Nissan, just not knowing it. And it took me some searching and it's amazing what you can find on the internet, but basically the 12 volt battery is going bad. And if the 12 volt battery is not working, all the accessories work off that 12 volt battery. The car won't allow you to move it into neutral because I would just would have rolled the car back, but you can't get the car into neutral to roll it back. So you, I couldn't even have it towed and I had to wait till the next day. And I finally realized when the guy came out, I said, hey, take your battery jumper, put it on my 12-volt battery, turns the car on. Oh, we can get it, we can get it into neutral and roll it back. And I still wasn't 100% sure it was the battery, but it was under warranty. So that's how we got it back up on to take and, and tow it away. So the switch that switches it from park to neutral to drive is on a 12-volt 12-volt circuit? Apparently it runs off the 12 volt circuit. So you think of all the accessories you have in your car. You know, most most cars today. It's probably going to change in the future because a lot of companies are thinking about going to higher voltages because then you can have um, uh, smaller wires. Hmm. Uh, will be less weight, but most cars today run off a 12 volt system. So my leaf, when the battery goes bad, it I can't get the car. You can't get the car turned on. So yesterday I saw that flashing and realized, oh, something's going on here. Anyways. Um, it, listeners should make sure they're taking care of their cars. So what I've been doing for the two cars don't get much street time is I will make a habit to say, hey, I got to make sure I take the Leaf and then the 2015 Prius for a, at least a spin around the block every 10 days or so to keep the batteries charged. E- either that, I'm going to have to break down and buy one of those battery. Uh, like when I had a motorcycle in wintertime in Ohio, you'd have a little battery tender and you'd plug the battery and just have a trickle charge it all the time. Right. Wow. You would have thought you'd get a trickle charge off the giant batteries that move the car at 100 miles an hour. Well, probably 70 would, miles an hour. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, probably need to research on how that exactly works because obviously the big battery is somehow charging the 12 volt battery. So that leads me to think that perhaps the battery is going bad. It's not able to hold charge. It's about four years old. So hmm. batteries in Arizona don't last that long because of the heat in Northern California, your batteries might last six, seven years. So uh, is the, is the leaf uh fly by wire? I mean, is the, is the power steering electric? Would that go with the 12 volt system? I, I believe so. So for our listeners, I believe so, but for some reason yesterday I was able to jumpstart. So, I took I, I bought one of those portable twelve volt jump starters that you see now. Right. And I put that across the terminals and that would allow the car to start. I could back it out of the garage and I drove it around the block just for curiosity. and I took off the um the portable jump starter, just like you jump start a gas car. Um so I'm not quite sure how the whole thing works. I've got to go dig into that. But I believe to your point, I believe all the accessories are electrically driven, like the Hmm. air conditioning and power steering all that is electrically driven because in an old school ICE car right you would there was always uh, one of the um, uh, meters you had would show you whether your battery was charging or discharging and you have a giant LED one or LCD one on your car showing whether your big battery is charging but I don't remember ever seeing anything that talked about the 12 volt system yeah, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. There's a bunch of dummy lights on there like most cars have today. I haven't noticed it. So I'm going to have to go poke at it a little bit. Hmm. I'm not sure. But definitely the the voltage across the battery is, is like 9 volts, so super low, right? Hmm. And um, it's when I bought one of these little cheap testers, 
uh, and it's saying it, it's like a hundred cold cranking amps when the thing is rated at 500 cold cranking amps. So hmm. some doesn't seem to be right. It might be that's useful life. So it might be time to go get a, uh, another one. But, you know, for our listeners, I've been trying to drive the cars around the block just to make sure to turn the air conditioning on and run that through, you know, run all the, the Freon gas through the air conditioning system, the refrigerant, and just make sure the tires don't sit there in the same spot. So for those of you who are working from home, you might consider just driving the car every, every once in a while. We're having a lot of stuff delivered. So and my wife has a car. So when we, my wife and I go out, we usually take her car. Mm-hmm. So it's just something I've been thinking about is just keep your car running because if i don't really technically have to go anywhere with it but i'll make myself go spin around the block what happens to the tires if you leave it parked i believe they can get little flat spots on them if they sit for a long time in the same spot huh so then they'll go i believe so yes interesting hey dave when you were building airplanes wasn't there a point when you were building the part that started the engine uh, my previous company build the build the starter. Yeah, What's it called? It, it's um, it's called the starter. No, <laughs> clever. And, yeah, I mean, and those were like air. Those were air. Those were air cycle machines. So they'd run off compressed air to start a big jet engine. Yeah. Huh. Um. What about? <laughs> not a problem with your electric vehicle, but uh, small. I'll say small. Like small aircraft engines can be started with like a electric motor okay the, the big aircraft engines that you'd see in like a 737 or bigger any generally planes that you would fly on there would be a uh basically like a uh you'd use compressed air right um from like the auxiliary power unit and it would just spin a little fan then through a huge gear reduction you can turn this huge fan with this uh, gear reduction motor to start the thing and light it off that was the term I was trying to remember, the auxiliary power unit. Power unit, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember getting lectured by my father when I was young not to drive the car too short a distance, that if you didn't warm up the oil and circulate it, that the oil would get poisoned and you'd have to change it more often. Um, is that something else we should think about with our cars not moving very much? Is the oil becoming less oily i think you get um condense i think the concern is you get condensation inside the crankcase and if you don't uh, run it for long enough then the water vapor doesn't burn off and then it causes problems with the with the oil Hmm. so i've always heard that too that you should run it to let it come up to operating temperature probably probably an issue in more humid climates than Arizona, but stop. Probably, I think it's a good idea. I, with electric cars, I don't think there's any issue there. I don't think there's anything up to come up to temperature that I'm aware of. But um, not to take things to too much of an extreme, but uh, one of my coworkers had a problem with rodents. I believe they were mice uh, making a nest inside of her car. It might have been rats, and they like to eat the insulation on the wires. And apparently this has turned into an epidemic because people don't run their cars. And uh, um, so uh, it's happening much more often than it would. If you drive your car every day, at least you'd make a loud noise and moving parts would scare the, the, the vermin away. away. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I do know like when a lot of aircraft are parked that I, I don't know the details, but I've read there's a lot of maintenance on those planes. So there's certain things that have to be checked or run 
every so often. So it's expensive. I think your car is no different. I think it's just, it's good to, it's good to run it. So I basically have a note set to myself every 10 days to, if I don't have an errand to run like today, I went to the post office to send something to my daughter. Um, but if I don't have an errand to run, then I'll just drive it around. I call it the block. It's basically the kind of a two, three mile route around my neighborhood and then put the car back in. One thing for our listeners to listeners to remember, I believe we've talked about this before, but um, like my insurance company and spontaneously lowered my uh, premiums. And I think they might've sent me a rebate check, but uh, you should check. If you haven't heard from them, you should check with your uh, insurance broker because you're probably driving significantly less miles and if you told them you're driving 15,000 miles a year and you're driving 5,000, you should get a significantly lower premium. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know my insurance company didn't lower the current premium, but when it was renewed in August, they reduced the premium by 15%. So that for me made it, you know, made a difference. It was a good deal because I was, we had talked in a previous podcast, I was looking at going to what I call the a la carte by the, but you can get by the mile coverage from companies and um, Geico, which I have brought their coverage down to, so they were still the low cost leader when I even compared against uh, per, per the mile companies. Another rabbit trail a bit, but a friend of my son's who was 16, I saw him driving a Ford Focus RS. I don't know if you're familiar with that vehicle. It's a really high performance kind of a hot hatchback. Yes. It's got the, that small V uh, four cylinder engine that's in the, uh, Volkswagen, I'm sorry, in the Mustang makes 300 plus horsepower, but it's in a little tiny hatchback. Mm. And uh, I made a comment about it being a little quick for a 16 year old. And uh, he, um, I think because they're so rare, they get treated by the insurance company as a four door subcompact economy car. So there's the same rate for any Ford Focus, even that one, which is all wheel drive, mostly rear wheel drive and is faster than my wife's Tesla and faster than my old Porsche. Yeah, I had uh, a few years ago, I had a little hot hatchback, a Mazda Speed 3, and I was waiting for higher insurance premiums, and it was there was no higher insurance premium, and I think I poked around at it and, and said, no, your car rates basically is like a four-door compact hatchback, even though it was a pretty high-performance car, like you said. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when I was looking to add a car, I wanted a manual transmission, which limits you significantly. And uh, I could find a Volkswagen TSI, but the GTIs used were much more common with the manual transmissions. And there was no difference in the insurance between the two of them, which is surprising. <laughs> so the moral of the story is if you're looking for a fun, fast car, don't want to pay a lot of insurance, buy like a, a four-door hatchback, like a GTI or a Ford Focus. Yeah, and if you take the badges and the uh, crazy spoiler off the back, it's a, a little subtle for the police. <laughs> oh, they're probably familiar with it. Uh, um, well, I have a solution that might make this easier for you, Dave. If you have four cars that aren't getting driven, couldn't you go to three cars that aren't getting driven and save some money and some effort? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually have looked at that because I'm always looking at ways to save money. So um, certainly uh, when I retire and I may be retiring soon, um, you know, my wife and I only need one car. That's hard for her to comprehend because I think, I think 
she believes that success is, you know, chicken every pot and three cars in every garage or something like that. But um, certainly between my wife and I, we could get together with one car. I, essentially, I'm keeping uh, all these cars are paid for. So um, I've done the analysis and I said, okay, what's the opportunity cost of me not selling this? So like my leaf is about a hundred bucks a month. So the question is, wow. is it worth it to have an extra car for a hundred bucks a month? And at this point I've said, yes, but at some point for our listeners, we're going to go down probably one or two cars because my wife and I can both share a car. And then if my daughter needs her car, if she decides to move back someplace from the big city where she doesn't need a car, then she can just pick up her red car and take it with her. Uh, yeah. You know, my son, the 16 year old just got his driver's license and I had planned on buying a fourth vehicle because they would both be driving themselves to school. But school is across the hall from where he sleeps so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's, i be i i don't i don't want to say i become anti-car i used to work in the car business when i was a little kid i wanted to work in the car business but it, it, it's interesting you drive by like a big you drive by any big parking lot where people work and you, you think to yourself here's all these capital assets that are depreciating like crazy and they get used at about an hour a day so you think about it, the average car gets used about an hour a day and it sits for 23 hours a day and it's not used for anything. Yep. It seems like a huge waste to me of our resources to do that. Um, I've had the discussion with some of my friends that are working, like your, you, you and your spouse are working from home and I've challenged them to say, hey, you know, if both of you guys are working from home, do you really need two cars? Because you could you could save a whole bunch of money, especially if you're leasing a car or you're paying on a car. That's a lot of money you could save. Or you're paying for a parking space, which you are. Yeah. Or you got you to pay for the sticker on the car. And, and certainly, you know, here in Arizona, our stick, the sticker for the back of the car is not insignificant. It's based on the value of the car. Yeah. The, the challenge is a logistic one in that people need to be different places at the same time. So I ran into that with my sons. They both wanted to go do something after hours and that. And both my car and my wife's car were sitting in the driveway, but I don't want my son to drive my car. (laughs) (laughs) And I certainly don't want to drive my wife's car. Um, Uh, But that's leading me to think, I have a car that I like very much. It's nice, uh, and it gets me in the carpool lane, but the carpool lanes are not very full right now. So I'm thinking about downgrading my car to one I would... So now I'm thinking of that Volkswagen GTI, but with me as the primary driver, and then I won't worry so much about letting your kids one drive. Of your, one of your younger drivers drive it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's a lot of uncertainties. You know, as I you know, think about this more post-COVID, if we get across, get beyond COVID and have some um, uh, cure or prevention or something like that, you know, I've, I've got an extra car over there that... Uh, my sister borrows from me for whatever. It's my daughter's car that we got for her before she decided to move to the big city and she doesn't need a car there anymore. So, um, you know, what do you do with that? So I, it's paid, it, at this point, it's paid off. It's, um, but uh, if you're going to go out a few times and you don't have a COVID world, it's cheaper to Uber, right? Now, for me, like living in suburbia, it's never cheap. You're always better off um, having a car, you know, a car that you keep for 10 years. It's always cheaper. You cannot, Uber can't be cheaper. But if you're just doing a few trips around the neighborhood a week, it's cheaper to Uber, frankly. So, um, 
if your boys are just going around the neighborhood, it would be cheaper to give them an Uber card. Yeah, I hear point. you. Now it's kind of scary doing that, but that's the kind of the that's kind of the math that I've done. Yes, of course, Uber and Lyft have yet to make any money. So at some point, you would expect their rates to go up as they start paying for employee benefits instead of taking advantage of the gig economy workers. Not to get Could political, be. Dave. Yeah, but I think I think by that point, they'll have driverless cars. <laughs> and then the debate will be, do I let my kids go in a driverless car? Because that'll certainly be cheaper. Huh. <laughs> yes. Um, though here's the thing, Dave, even though your carry costs on the cars and much, as we've mentioned before, surprising to me, the cost of the value of used cars is way up in the uh, pandemic because of it's been hard to get new cars, et cetera. Uh, so there is an opportunity. It's a good time to sell. I should sell now. Right. So you could get five or $10,000 for your oldest car and you could buy Tesla stock with that, Dave. And we know that only goes up. Goes up, right? We know it only goes up. That's a good point. So being the kind of nutty guy that I am, I have a little note that says to myself, sell car and it pops up every six months in my outlook. <laughs> and I re- re- reevaluate it. So maybe, that, maybe now is the time to do it. Like, hey, why are you messing with driving the car on the block and having the battery go dead because you haven't driven it um, for a few weeks? And that's what kind of drove me to this. The Prius one morning wouldn't start, and I realized, oh, it's the twelve volt battery. And they, like both those cars are kind of wonky because of the hybrid nature of it, you know? Because right. the big battery's charging, you think, well, what the hell? Why is it not starting? Um, so uh, I probably have to revisit that. But right now, the question is: Is, is it worth a hundred? bucks to have this extra car i'm not sure it is right now well you should probably have n plus one batteries dave so you should keep an extra 12 volt battery in the garage because if they fail every four months every month you're going to need it so every month and a third i bought bought one of those portable jump starters for both i had one for my leaf after the leaf wouldn't back out and i had that i had that whole episode where i couldn't get the the company came at the toe and I said, screw it. I figured out what this is. Now I just know I can put um, jump starter across the terminals and get it backed out to get at least towed. If it was a problem, I got another one of those for the 15 Prius. So um, I've had to jumpstart the Prius a couple of times because I let it go two or three weeks and there's some sort of little drain on the battery. I don't know what's causing it, but you go out there and don't, don't run it in two weeks and it just barely starts. Do the Prius and the Leaf have standard size batteries or are they special size to squeeze in with the batteries? That's a really good question. The uh, the Leaf is pretty standard. It's uh, 51R size, which is pretty normal. It's a normal flooded battery, the old school kind where you put water in it. Mm -hmm. The Prius battery is uh, one of those glass mat batteries that's that's no maintenance. So those are kind of pricey. Like those, I think the battery, we just replaced the one on my son's 2010 Prius. I think it was 160 bucks. So they're kind of pricey Hmm. and it's back, the battery's back in the trunk and once you figure out where it is because his battery died one within the last year and it took me a long time to one freaking figure out where the battery was in the dark reading the 500 page (laughs) so is it on the dark on the passenger sides to improve handling as you drive your prius around the track at uh in monterey Uh, to give it perfect 50 50 weight distribution (laughs) as you're pulling 0.98 g's That's a lie for our listeners. I don't know why it's back there. I'm assuming it's for, I don't know why. It's weird. Um, I think you got me on batteries. The worst battery I had was in my 
1995 Chrysler Cirrus, and the battery was up underneath the front left fender well. So you had to, when the battery died, you had to turn the wheel all the way to the left or the right, take, carefully take off the plastic that covers your fender well without breaking the clips to go back on, and you had to like lean back in there and pull that freaking 25-pound battery out of there to replace it. That was kind of a pain. Hmm. I remember some coworkers of mine both bought new Porsche 911s in 2009, and they're very smart deal-oriented guys and bought them both from the Midwest and had them shipped in a truck out to here. And both of them came with dead batteries and you can't unlock the car on a Porsche when the battery's dead. Mm -hmm. So you have to know this, uh, but there are jumpstart points in the, it's either in the trunk. I can't remember. It's either in the trunk or in the engine compartment, which of course are backwards in a, in a Porsche. Um, But very frustrating to pay tens of thousands of dollars for a brand new Porsche and you can't, open the door after getting it off the truck. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you think of stuff as electronics. So with the leaf, it was totally dead. You can't open the hatch because a lot of the new hatches are like, they're electronic. They're not like manual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to my son's 10, 000, 2010 Prius died one night, it took me a long time to troubleshoot that. You can't, I had the jumper cables in the, of course, in the back. You can't get the hatch open in the back because it won't open because it's electronic. So you have to go through the door and then fish around from the back seat to find out where the jumper cables were. <laughs> There's probably some little release, but it yeah. never happened. And of course, it's dark at night. You know, it's dark and you can't figure it out. That I was cursing to myself, but finally figured out there's jump points up in the front. Now that I know there's like a, a jump point up in the engine compartment, even though the battery's in the back. So now I know how it works, but it was very frustrating that night trying to figure it out and get the car jump started. Did you hear the story about the woman on the side of the road with the front of her Porsche open 911 and uh, another 911 driver pulls over in front of her and says, Hey, what's the problem? She says, I've been looking all over, but my engine's missing. He says, oh, it's okay. I got a spare one in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness sakes. Car trials and tribulations. So <laughs> take, taking it back for listeners. So I encourage our listeners, if you're working from home, drive the car. Uh, you know, Make sure you drive each car. I'd say at least every couple weeks and run an errand with both. Make sure you're driving both cars because um, it'd be easy for my wife and I, we do a few errands just to take her car uh, out and not run my car. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to cause a problem. So run them around every couple of weeks. Sounds like a good idea. And uh, if you have a subscription at your local car wash, uh, you might want to cancel that. (laughs) I think I've washed my, either of those two cars I just talked about since I started working from home in March. So they're just, they're kind of dusty, but eh, I don't care. All right. Good, good advice, Dave. Thanks for the topic. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you.